Start your business for the freedom of time. Now you're tired of the hustle and grind. There's gotta be a better way. It's time to listen to Chill and Prosper. Welcome to Chill and Prosper. You're ready to chill and prosper with Denise Duffield Thomas. Hey there, it's Denise here. Welcome to Chill and Prosper, um, your weekly chat with your online best friend. And I love that about the work that I do is that I know that I go into so many people's living rooms and businesses and houses and cars and I hear so many people say, you know, oh, my mentor, Denise. And I love that we have this mentorship relationship and this friendship, even though, you know, we might not have ever met. It, it's really, really cool. And also I want to role model that of, um, you know, you can have a big impact, but without it having to be one-on-one, you know, like it's really real, the connection that we have. And it's really real, the connection that people tell me when they read my books and listen to stuff. And I'm not saying that with any ego, but it's just, it feels really good, but also is a, a really good example, I think, for you that you can have an impact without it being a burden and without having to, um, you know, grow beyond your comfort zone. I'm still just a very normal person who lives a very normal life. And yet I know I can help people using the tools that we have available to us. So that's kind of really cool. So today is a really, um, it's a funny episode because I want to talk about the new money mistakes that I've made in my life and my business. This has come about because um, I don't get a lot of hate mail. Well, I'm, who knows these days? I haven't really been aware of it for a long time, but of course I have gatekeepers now. So who knows if I get hate mail? But I remember one time someone saying, oh, you're so new money. And it was seen, she meant it as an insult for sure. And I didn't take it as an insult. I kind of thought it was quite funny. I was like, yeah, kind of, you're right. Yeah, I am new money. But I also just laughed at what a silly insult it is. Like, who cares if someone's new money? Like, we don't live in that kind of society now where you can judge people for that. And like, whatever. It's not like the 1800s. Um you know, and I know that there are countries that still have a class system. I get that for sure. But I just I just thought it was a funny insult. By the way, the other funny insult that I've received before, and this made me laugh so much. Someone said, you look like the girl who goes home on the first episode of The Bachelor. And I could not stop laughing. And I said, I know you meant this as an insult, but you actually made my day. I cannot stop laughing at this. Because it's kind of true. Like I was like, oh, yeah, there always is some like crazy, you know, enthusiastic kind of <laughs> bit of a weird, weird chick who goes out in the first episode. I'm like, yeah, that's me. That's fine. Um, but the whole new money thing is interesting. So one thing on that is when I was writing my book, Chillpreneur, which became Chill and Prosper, one of the alternative titles for that was New Money. And it was going to be, you know, like new money, um, how to grow your business or whatever, whatever it was, right? And and they said, no, no, we don't like it. And I went, no, that's fine. But I actually think there is a book in that called New Money. And it's kind of like inspiration and cautionary tales from people who've made a lot of money really quickly. Because I've definitely got a lot of insights into this now. And also, I've made heaps of mistakes around this that are absolutely new money mistakes 
because having a lot of money is new for a lot of us. Even if you grew up in a wealthy family, um, and if you're a woman especially, yes, cool, you might have come from wealth, but there's never really been a time until fairly recently that women were really allowed to have that power. And, you know, I think of my my grandmother, you know, like she was definitely just, you know, like kind of, I guess, working class. And she kind of held the purse strings, but she really didn't have a lot of economic power. You know, she wasn't able to really grow her income very much. You know, she was a mum of four. She had her first um, baby at 18. Um, she was in a relationship that wasn't great. And yes, she always had a side hustle, which so many of our mothers and grandmothers did. She took in sewing and, um, you know, she later on in her life, she kind of worked behind the bar at the local bowling club and she sold cosmetics. Shout out all, to all those mums and grandmas who sold Avon and you know, my nan sold Nutramedics, which is an Australian kind of Avon type brand. You know, and so she did try within the the time frame of and life that she grew up in to be able to make a little bit of extra income. But of course, especially like, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, there was so many limited opportunities, but also still limited to your effort. You know, it's like it's not like you could it's not like she could have written an ebook about how to make your own prom dress from curtains, which is what she did for me in year 10. Um, we made like this beautiful 70s dress from a pattern. Um, and it, it was kind of like, you know, in Greece at the dance and Sandy has like this white dress and it has like little straps. And it was like that um, almost exactly. And it was made from a thrifted curtain that we found, right? It's not like she could have written an ebook back in 1995 about how to make your own prom dress from a curtain and sell millions and millions of copies of it, right? It was still like make someone's outfit, get paid for someone's outfit, sell a lipstick, get money for a lipstick. And so it is kind of new that we live in this world now where our income opportunities are really unlimited. Still doesn't mean it's necessarily easy and not everyone's going to be able to do it. But there are opportunities to really create a a ton of money using your skills and knowledge and know-how in a way that our mothers and grandmothers were never able to do. Or our fathers as well, right? No one was ordinary people. Let's say that. So no one adds me. But um, ordinary people could not make money in the same way that we can make money now with very little resources beyond our own creativity, ingenuity, and the internet. Let's face it, right? Because you can create a business now um, with very little startup capital, with very little qualifications, with very little barriers to entry. And that's good and bad, much more competition, but also, yeah, zero barriers to entry, right? You can have kids and make money. You know, and I, I, the whole time I had my babies, I was able to still serve people in my money boot camp. I was able to sell e-courses. And that's a huge privilege that no one's ever been able to do. Okay, so that being said, right, that means it's really new to us. And so if you've never seen people be able to hold money, grow money, take care of money, it is going to be new for you or new to other people to see people like you, 
have it and that can bring its own things, right? So let me tell you some of the mistakes that I've made. Ah, So I was trying to Google like, um, you know, mistakes that lottery winners made and mistakes that people who have money for the first time have a windfall. And that's how it, the only way it could really happen to ordinary people. Would you agree? It's like, you know, I grew up with this fantasy of winning the lottery because that was the only way I think my mom could see that it could happen to someone like her because everyone had a story of like, you know, oh, Beryl, she won, blah, 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 on the on the scratchies. Everyone in every town in most countries in the world that have lotteries knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who won the lottery. And so that was the dream, right? It's not like, oh, maybe one day we'll start a business. <laughs> Just, no, didn't work. So one of the biggest mistakes around new money people and lottery winners and things like that is excessive spending, frivolous spending, because it's like a kid in a candy store. You know, maybe you've never um, like had to budget. Well, you sorry, you've never learned how to budget because there was never any extra money to budget. And so then if you have a windfall, you don't know what to do with it. And I've been like this my whole life. I remember when I was um, uh, like 19 – living out of home for the first time, living in a shitty like share house in Sydney, waitressing, and I would get paid, it was pretty good actually, it was like $12 an hour to waitress at this um, pizza place. But I would walk home past this thrift store and I would see this tuxedo every day in the window, a men's tuxedo, a vintage men's tuxedo. And I remember just like going, wow, how beautiful, how beautiful, how beautiful. And it's not like I had any buffer it's not like I could I couldn't even afford to buy textbooks I always had to get them from the library or buy them secondhand or borrow them from other people but yet I really desired and wanted this tuxedo (laughs) and I remember I worked really really hard one weekend and I did you know extra shifts and all this kind of stuff and I spent $200 on this tuxedo a men's vintage tuxedo can I just say, a men's vintage tuxedo. And it did fit my boyfriend at the time and he did wear it to my 21st, great. But it was just, that's how I grew up, is that we never had a buffer, we never had savings. My mum lived paycheck to paycheck or welfare money to welfare money. But every now and again she would get a windfall and she would buy some ridiculously weird thing that was just would bring momentary joy but it just wasn't needed or necessary or anything like that. And... Um, I remember when I started making money and I said to her, oh, I'll, I'll pay for my sister to do this course. And she went, oh, great. I've been, you know, putting that money aside for it. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, you can use that money for something else then, mom. And she's like, yeah. And so she bought a motorcycle. She'd never ridden a motorcycle. She'd never desired a motorcycle. She'd never expressed an interest in riding a motorcycle. She just had this impulsive thought that wouldn't it be fun. And so she went and bought, you know, all the gear, all the things, bought a brand new motorcycle, brought a helmet, all this kind of stuff. And then she rode it once and went, oh, I don't like it. It's scary. <laughs> then she sold it. And that's what happened. Sold, sold it at a loss, right? And so this is one of those new money mistakes that, that I've made in every area of my life. And so I've done this with antique cars. I've bought antique cars because I went, oh my God, they're so beautiful. They'll look so great at the farm. We can use them for photo shoots. And then I've gone, oh, shit, I don't like driving antique cars. They don't have airbags. 
They don't have air conditioning. They don't have suspension. Oh, they break all the time. Oh, that's not fun. Oh, there's only one person in town and he's got one eye and he can charge whatever he likes because he's the only person who can <laughs> look after antique cars and he takes seven months to do it because he can't use a computer and he needs to order a part from America. Um, that's the sort of thing that I was starting to do with money because I was like, wow, this would be so cool and I'm, I've got the money, so why not? And it's, I, I justified it by thinking, well, you know, I'm giving money to charity and I'm paying my taxes and, you know, I'm, I am saving a little bit, so I deserve to buy these things. But it really is the same behavior that I saw growing up of just impulsivity. It feels good at the time, not thinking about the future. And so that's a really big new money mistake that so many people do. And I, I have people come up and say, oh, my God, Denise, thank you so much for your inspiration and being in your money boot camp. I'm making so much money now because of this, this, and this. And I'm like, great. Make sure you're saving some of it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, you probably won't, but that's fine. And so then you see people who are like blowing money on like big holidays or big masterminds or things like that. And that's fine. You know, we don't have to all spend money the same way. But I want you to check in with yourself and see, like, am I sabotaging myself by being so new money, you know, instead of putting some of it aside? Um, there's other things, too, of, of like spending too much money on your house, buying a big flashy house. And I've totally, totally done this. Again, nothing wrong with it. It was a really big goal for me to build a house by the beach. And it was fantastic. It was great. I loved it. But it got to a point where I was like, wow, it costs so much money to live here. Not even just the mortgage payments, but um, the maintenance of living near the ocean. Like every time we got our um, windows cleaned, it was $500. And I was like, cool. There's always more money. We're making heaps of money. No big deal. But it got to a point where the responsibility of all of those costs of living there outweighed the pleasure for me of doing it and realizing how much more exciting and fun it would be to be completely debt free. And so that's when I was like, hey, like, let's sell this house because it's gone up so much in value. We'll make a ton of profit out of it. And actually, we'll be able to pay off all of our mortgages. So we can, you know, live, live mortgage free and pay off the farm and, and do all the things. And it was like, wow, that feels really good. And that is such a new money thing, right? Of just going, wow, I want big, flashy, house, car, whatever. And this actually happened in our um, in the town that we live in. There was this billionaire guy who made heaps of money um, and he bought like a private jet, a helicopter, a big house, a Lamborghini, a horse racing farm, all these things. And then one by one, they all got repossessed. And I was like, I'm going to like as a cautionary tale, I'm going to learn this lesson. And I want to make sure that I can afford where I live without having to stretch myself. And I could see it coming over the horizon. I was like, what if I don't want to do launches anymore? And it was like, well, you're going to have to. You know, you made your bed, you have to lie in it. And um, so interesting new money thing of going, of stretching yourself. And I know that sounds weird coming from me because I'm, you know, like first class life and whatever you want, you can have. And that is true. And you can also choose not to overextend yourself. Choose to prioritize peace of mind over it. Interesting, 
right? Okay, let's take a, a really quick break and um, continue this discussion because I've got, I've got so many confessions. This is like Denise confession stuff on here. All right, speak to you in a sec. Hey, Lucky Bees. I'm Dr. Erin Wiseman. I live in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, and I'm a life coach for high-achieving alpha females. I read Get Rich, Lucky Bitch in 2019 and Chillpreneur in 2020. Loved it so much that I made a book club with my fellow coach friends. We got so much out of it, not only just getting together and having connection, but the tips that the Queen Bee Denise gave us through that book. I would highly recommend it to anyone who's feeling exhausted and overwhelmed in her business. You can have a chillpreneur life. Okay, so I've been researching and looking at new money mistakes and lottery mistakes that people make. Um, one of them that's huge is generosity, generosity towards other people. And this is one of the things actually with lottery winners especially or people who have a big windfall, this can often be their downfall is that they feel so guilty about this money that they give it all away and blow it in lots of ways. I've also seen this when it comes to things like inheritance. People who get an inheritance feel so guilty about it that they often sabotage it, spend it, and then they feel so guilty about it. And I remember reading Susie Orman's book, and it was like, I think it's called Young, Fabulous and Broke. And she talks about that. If you've got a windfall, um, you know, you just sit with it for a little bit. Don't make any big decisions, um, whether it's an inheritance or a divorce or a lottery win or, you know, you sell your company or whatever. Just don't make any decisions for a little bit. And this has actually been enforced for me because, you know, we sold our big beach house, but it has a really long settlement. And so it didn't settle for like six months, right? And so we've got we've had so much time to think about, okay, what's the smartest way um, to use this money? What do we want to pay off? What do we want to invest? And it's actually forced us to slow down a little bit and not be too impulsive and not rush into something else. Um, so when it comes to over generosity, what usually happens is the person who's had the big windfall, it's almost like, um, especially if they you know, came from, I don't know, a poor background or like just a working class background, they feel so guilty. They want everyone else to come with them. And so then it shifts the apple cart a little bit, shifts the status quo. They're like, oh, I don't want to just go and live in a fancy neighborhood by myself. I want all my friends to come with me too. So that's when people might, you know, gift their friends money. I, I heard George Clooney did this apparently with all his mates. He um, gave them all a million dollars cash in a suitcase. You know, a lot of famous people will then pay off their friends' mortgages. And it, it can really set up some really interesting dynamics if you're someone who is over generous and attracts people who take advantage of you, that is going to continue at every single level of income. You'll be over generous if you have nothing. You'll be over generous when you have a lot. And I know for me, I have this over responsibility thing for people. And so I was like, oh, I'll just solve problems with money with my family. Oh, let me fix that for you. Um, oh, you crash your car. Let me just, you know, I'll buy you a new one. Um, oh, you can't get a rental. I'll just, I'll buy a house for you to live in. And I was just solving problems with money and not really thinking through the consequences of that. And that, you know, there's pros and cons. Of course, you want to be generous with people. Of course, you want to be generous with friends and family. But can you afford to do it? And is it a smart thing to do? 
because I realized, um, you know, in some cases I was enabling bad behavior. I was funding bad behavior. Um, But also I was just avoiding having discussions or perpetuating this thing I have of like feeling over-responsible for people, right? And so it's a real new money thing to just go, yep, let me just fix problems with money. Let me just fix problems with money. No problem. Um, Instead of just going, oh, well, let me check with my financial advisor or is this a smart investment? And there's absolutely, you know, I do want to help family members to especially get on the property ladder, but I'll have to sit down and think about it in a way that's really smart. How can I do this where it's not just gifting people money, but it's a smart investment? It's a win-win for both of us that has boundaries attached to it, that has conditions attached to it. Um, And that's harder than just giving people money. That's harder than just enabling things because you need to then sometimes be the bad guy or you need to take take a beat to look at it and you know that's that can be a tricky tricky conversation it really can um and I'm aware all of these things they're very much you know lucky bitch problems rich people problems but I I'm sharing them because I know I have so many people in my community and you know you might be listening going yeah I can see how I can make a lot of money in my business or maybe you have been making a lot of money And your sabotages will follow you no matter how much money you make. And so I'm sharing as a cautionary tale, but also inspiration. There are cool things that you can do with money. And there are also some really dumb things you can do with money. And you're never going to be perfect with it. And hearing me, like I teach money mindset, but I'm not a financial advisor. So I'm not giving you financial advice. But I want you to hear that I'm, I'm still making dumb mistakes too. Like I have to watch my money blocks and make sure that I'm learning these lessons all the time. So then I can share them and then we can realize that we're just human and and just normal. Okay, so another um, thing for new money people is to spend like it's never going to end. Spend like it's never going to end. You might have seen this, for example, with um, like young NBA players, like young sports people who get this massive big contract and so then they're like they buy a big house, they buy an amazing car, they buy a house for their family members, they hire all of their friends and family to be their entourage and then they blow out their knee and that's it and they're just they're, they're screwed. You know, or the tale of like MC Hammer who made heaps of money but didn't uh, put any aside for taxes and got, get, got in trouble with a tax man. Um, and so... Again, it's this real feeling of um, it's never going to end. You know, like the gravy train is going to keep on keep on coming. And I think if you just have some simple kind of rules for yourself of going, okay, I'll, I'll put X amount for taxes. I'll put X amount for living expenses. I'll put X amount for um, fun money. And then I can blow that and not even feel guilty about it. Instead of thinking, you know, well, oh, the, the money is just going to keep on coming. So it doesn't matter. Like there's always more money. And I love that mentality. I love that abundance mentality. But I think there's a fine line between when it becomes a sabotaging thing to when it's, you know, healthy. And you can have both and. Like I've loved some of the random things I've invested in, like investing in musicals. Some of them have been a good investment. Some of them have been literally just I could have just lit that money on fire. And when I talked to my accountant about it, he was just kind of like, it's your money. Like, 
yeah, like I'm not going to say not to do it. It's not a great investment, but like, hey, it's your money. If it brings you joy and all of the things, then go for it. And it did bring me a lot of joy, but also there'd be times where I was like, oh, yeah, I would really like to take some time off, but I kind of can't because if I hadn't blown that money on blah, 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 like I probably could have paid off my mortgage by now. And then I could have had a bit more freedom to do those things. And so that's where I'm working at at the moment is to go, okay, I want pure financial freedom. So I know that if I do something that is a bit risky, it's not going to then require me to have to keep on working to cover that risk. Because I know that I, I can like I can always manifest more money. I know I can. I know I can do a launch. I know I can help lots of people. I know I can make lots of money. But there's just a point where you just go, yeah, but it'd be nice not to have to. It'd be nice to take a year off, you know, and there'd been times where I had paid off my mortgage and I could have done that. But then I was like, oh, let's go for a bigger house. Oh, let's do the things. And even though like I don't drive a flashy car, having antique cars was a really like not the smartest thing to do, right? And so I got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to sell those cars. I'd rather have the money. I'd rather have the money in my offset account. I'd rather have the money off my mortgage. I'd rather use that money for something else. And that's when I really felt like I grew up and I was like, oh, yes, every project has to be profitable. Every asset has to be profitable. And then I could look at things a bit more dispassionately and go, no, you're a suck on my energy. You're a suck on my, on my time. That project has to go because everything has to pay its way. Um, and also thinking about the future and going, yeah, cool. It'd be awesome if our kids, um, you know, like could spend more time with us. I know they like they can grow up with lots of money. That's not the, that's not the goal. It was I want them to have good memories of their parents being around more and having more bandwidth. And like, yeah, cool. I I thought, yeah, I've got heaps of freedom because I don't have a job. But it was still that uh, just knowing that I had you know that big mortgage to pay and well two big mortgages because the farm and and my beach house and um. And starting to feel the burden of that, okay? So there there are lots of other new money things of people, you know, not investing in retirement, um, living launch to launch or paycheck to paycheck or, you know, feeling like it's never going to run out, being too generous with other people, blowing it all on toys and silly things that don't appreciate, not taking advice, not taking kind of boring advice from people. And like I've invested in boring things too. I've got... I've got quite a few boring investment properties that make great money. Um, but I've also invested in things that are just because I thought, oh, yeah, no one else will do that. I'll do it. That were risky and dumb. You know, and I feel like I've kind of done that now and I can my ego can be like, yep, I don't have to be the one to rescue that old dilapidated building or that old dilapidated car that no one else wants that I only I can see the potential in. Um, I feel like I have learned that lesson. I really... I really hope I have Um, because I want to be a good role model and steward of money. I want to be able to, um, you know, build generational wealth. But the thing that I've realized too is I don't want, I don't care about my kids growing up like ultra, ultra wealthy. I actually feel like breaking the cycle for me is stability, you know, because I have, you know, I had such a volatile childhood and actually not just poor. Um, My mum married a wealthy person at um, guy at some point and we had lots of money 
for a brief, brief period. And so I'm like, I don't care about them growing up ultra wealthy. I really care about them having stability and like not moving around a lot and having stable parents. And I actually don't care. I, I would love actually for a couple of generations of just solid middle class. That would be a great legacy for my kids. I would love to be able to, um, you know, pay for their university in full. But I don't care about them being trust fund babies. Like that doesn't interest me. Um, I don't feel like I want to hand them, you know, a million dollars on their 21st birthday. That doesn't interest me either. It's actually harder for me to, um, you know, I thought, oh, I broke the cycle because I've made all this money. No, my mum, my grandmother, they would have been capable of making heaps of money if they were in this time too. Breaking the cycle for me is way harder. It's so much more nuanced. It's how can I create stability and, um, and how can I be present that's a way harder cycle for me to break. Okay, so I think this whole new money conversation is really looking at, you know, if my mum had millions of dollars, she probably would act the same. So I haven't broken any cycle. You know, I have I really want to break the cycle of um, dysfunction. That's the, that's the thing that I want to break, you know, and thinking more long-term and, um, yeah, stability. That's, that's my goal around that. So... Ah, yes. Hopefully that has given you some insight and some inspiration. I've actually been having a lot of these conversations recently with friends of mine who have built new wealth, you know, like they're self-made first generation millionaires. And I'm, I really want to have more of these discussions with them because I'm seeing some of them make the same mistakes I've made. I've seen some of them undo and kind of get to the same point I am of, of being on the other side of it. And I'm sure I'll continue to make more mistakes as well. All right. So I have one final insight for you after this last break. So do not go away. I'll see you in one more second. Hi, I'm Tara Wilkin. I'm from the US and I live in Minnesota. I am a well-being coach and author. I joined Money Boot Camp in 2020, and I'm so glad I did. I had so many blocks around even charging for my services. And surprisingly, I had a lot of family beliefs and money block issues that were also preventing me from charging for my services. One interesting quick story that I'll share is... I decided to manifest an extra $1,000 on a particular month, and that money ended up coming in as an inheritance, and it brought up a lot of issues for me. And so it was great to be able to pop into the Money Boot Camp community and really get support and receive some resources to help me get through that time. I really am appreciative of uh, Denise and the Money Boot Camp community. Money Bootcamp really has changed how I think about my finances for my business, but more importantly, for my life. You get lifetime access to the Money Bootcamp, and I highly recommend you take the investment and sign up for Money Bootcamp as soon as you can. It's worth the investment. Okay, so welcome back. So you might be really curious about this episode and thinking, oh, why? Why is Denise talking about this? And, you know, is a business not doing well or anything like that? And it that's not it. My business has been doing great. It's been growing every year. But I actually am not sure if it is going to grow next year because of some of these deliberate decisions that I've been making. And I've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes on this of, um, 
you know, is it my ego? Will people think less of me if I'm not growing all the time? Am I still going to share my, you know, income or am I going to still share my tax returns and things like that? And everything's fine. You know, I really want you to hear that. Um, I'm not being forced into making any of these decisions. This is a real deliberate choice for me. And I, I still will think I'll grow my business and, but I really want to simplify it and then do it from a completely different place of choice. And that feels really good. Um, a book that has, has really influenced me in and out the last couple of years is a book called The Millionaire Next Door. And the author of that is um, uh, Thomas J. Stanley and also Susie Orman's book, um, uh, Young, Fabulous and Broke. But I think Stanley's also got one. I think it's like Stop Acting Rich or something. But um, every time I read this book, I really do kind of contract a little bit and go, oh, my God, where am I being too frivolous? Where am I being too new money? And it's all about creating that long-term, like non-flashy, stable wealth. And it's the millionaire next door. And he says the millionaire next door, like they drive an average car. You know, they're not super flashy, but they're like they are really, truly wealthy. And, you know, I think of how much money I've made and there's been times where I'm like, oh, I was just rich. You know, like I was just rich. I just had had the money, but it wasn't that pure, sustainable, um, real wealth. And that's where I'm working towards now. How can I make this last beyond me? How can I use this as a ripple effect throughout the world, but without relying on me constantly growing it and you know building it out of hustle energy so that's where I'm at um and hopefully it's inspired you but yeah read that book The Millionaire Next Door and Susie Yeoman's book Young Fabulous and Broke and um and the book Stop Acting Rich as well they're all really great books to just check in on your behavior check in on where you're at with some of your spending, but also to make a plan for as you are growing your business, what are you going to do with that money so it can be sustainable for you? All right. Yay. All right. I will see you on next week's episode of Chill and Prosper. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to Chill and Prosper. Tell your friends to chill and prosper. Review and subscribe. We hope you had a very good time.